Hi, everybody. This is a Lynn Quickie on how to get through separation. You're listening to Advice for Life with Lynn, an award-winning interviewer and a woman riddled with issues herself, Lynn Martinez. You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty-gritty with people who know what they're talking about. With the best advice on relationships, career, your body, kids, sex, and everything else in between. This is Advice for Life with Lynn. The decision to separate from your spouse or your partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, even your friend, is humongo. Because for most people, this decision did not happen overnight. You know, usually the decision to separate comes after therapy, or in my case, a lot of therapy, a lot of money, and a lot of discussion and a lot of sadness. So when you find yourself saying, hmm, I think we should separate, it's because you feel you have absolutely tried everything in the book, usually, to make it work or to stay together, and this is your last resort, maybe hoping that separation will either do one of two things, get you back together or get you divorced, or, you know, apart forever. But whatever the reason, the one thing separation does do 100% is it brings clarity to your situation. Okay, so I have 10 tips on how to handle separation because it's so traumatizing. And those of you who have already gone through it know what I'm talking about. Um, so this is based on my own experience. And I'll have these top 10 tips at the end of this podcast, but I'm just going to tell you how I got there. So my way is not the only way or maybe the right way. It's just what I learned and what worked for me. Okay, so here's my separation story. A few years ago, my then husband and I separated after 19 years of marriage. <laughs> Those of you who listen to my podcast were probably like, we know 19 years. But anyway, getting to that decision to separate was gut-wrenching. I was at my wit's end, yet I wanted to try everything possible to keep my marriage intact. I felt I owed that to my children. I owe that to myself. I mean, that's a long time to be together. And I knew that I could never live with myself if I didn't absolutely try everything under the sun to keep our family together. And I viewed it as kind of like a time out, you know, some time to breathe, some time to see maybe if I could or we could change things for the better. Obviously, that's the goal. And some time to see if I could, for once in my life, feel valued by myself. Hmm. For me, not only was separating a punch in the stomach because I felt I was breaking up the family, because usually whoever makes the move feels the most guilt, I would imagine. I was even the one to break the news to everybody, you know, to the kids. But it visually ruined my perfect picture of what I thought a family should look like, right? Everybody's got that picture. It was also the first time in my life that I was actually going to be alone, alone in my house, raising my kids, paying my bills, going grocery shopping, feeding everybody, even though cooking wasn't really my thing. Because, you know, when you separate, you take over everybody's chores. <laughs> Being in charge of the yard, the dumb weeds, the tree that needs to come down for 1500 bucks, getting the kids to where they needed to be. And oh, yeah, going to work, giving it my best and taking care of myself which of course was last, the taking care of myself part. Being on my own meant figuring out a shitload of things. I love podcasts because I can say shitload, but it's true. Figuring out things like finances. 
What were our bills? When were they due? How do I remember to pay them? How the hell can I pay for all this? I had to write down all the bills out on a sheet of paper. This is how clueless I was with amounts, with passwords and due dates. I would do this every month because I wasn't in charge of the bills. I wasn't in charge of bills or cooking. So I had to learn how to do both. Eventually I made this finance system more efficient and I put the due dates on a calendar and it's a system I still use two years later. It works, whatever works. Another thing I had to figure out was security. You know, without a husband or a man in the house, I was scared. I was scared for myself and my kids. And later I figured out upgrading our alarm system would do the trick. Duh. Also food. I had to figure out food. I kind of already touched on this, but food was not one of my chores. You know, the ex-husband would always cook. So I had to learn how to cook. God, I remember I was so freaked out about my kids not having enough. Really, I was afraid that I wasn't enough. Um, I would over grocery shop. I would buy so much food, it would go bad. And I would print out recipes like crazy and put so much pressure on myself to cook and cook well. I was overcooking and I wasn't doing it well. <laughs> but I was really tough on myself. But I had to figure it out. And I had to figure it out fast. So while I'm learning how to be a husband and a wife, how to be the sole leader of my ship, I still had to deal with my guilt. Even though the house was nearly instantly happier and lighter when we separated, I had this burning need to try to put the family picture back together. Despite the fact that nearly every time my then husband and I got back together, it ended up in an argument and tears, usually mine. No, 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 no. I am one stubborn mother. I would consistently try to get that family together. And I still refuse to see the fractures that could never be fixed because of my deep-seated issue of the picture of the family, my picture. But you can only refuse to learn your lessons for so long because, you know, this is a great thing. I remember Oprah once said that at first life whispers to you and then it taps you on the shoulder and then it whacks you in the head with a brick until you listen. I was in the brick stage. I needed a brick in my head. So the brick was Thanksgiving and I invited my then husband over for dinner because of course, you know, that's what the picture looks like. Of course, my kids deserved it. Both parents for a holiday. Yeah. And of course, you know, we're adults and certainly we can be civil and we can have a meal together, right? I mean, isn't that normal? Well, to be safe, I invited a dear friend, <laughs> which was smart. And you know, the friend I thought could neutralize any possible tension. So I was absolutely sure things would be just great. Uh, no, you could cut the tension with a knife. There he is, a stranger in his own home. I'm sure that's what he felt like, I'm guessing. I felt like I wanted to get a broom and sweep everything out because everything that bugged me before we were separated really bugged me now. And I'm sure he wanted to fly out of there too. So <laughs> everything was great. Everything was tense and we fell right back into the same toxic dance that got us into separation to begin with. He criticized the way I was cooking the turkey. I got defensive. He got prickly. I pretended everything was okay. You know, for the kid's sake. The kicker or the brick of my head was actually during dinner when we were trying to eat. I was playing some classical music when he got up from the table to change it to rock and actually increase the volume. I got up and lowered the volume. So he's like on one end of the table. I'm in the other. He would get up, go to the thing and then sit down. And then I would get up and go around this huge table and then he would raise the volume and, and then I got up again and raced toward the speaker when I slammed my baby toe into a chair and broke it. <laughs> I limped to the speaker and snarled, please don't touch this. Oh my, 
Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Family picture. So that was my brick, you know, the broken toe, which said, um, this isn't working. This marriage has concluded. It's run its course. It's over. And now you better accept it, Lynn. So after a lot of tears and a lot of suffering, I looked for an attorney. And this was the first time in a long time that I had taken steps to take care of myself because that is taking care of yourself. Deciding to end my marriage was an act of me taking care of me, me being kind to me, me putting me first. Wow, that's different. I started to realize that me putting me first actually makes me a better everything. I was pretty freaked out about the money. I think that's the first thing that people worry about when they separate or consider divorce. You know, who is it when they're about to go through a divorce? I didn't want to be in more debt than I already was. So I went into problem solving mode. I decided to sell my wedding ring to pay for an attorney. I thought that was pretty brilliant, sad and brilliant at the same time. This brought up a buttload of issues. I cried my eyes out because this was the ring that was, it was the nicest material object I had ever owned or that anybody ever gave to me. It said to me, I had made it. And I had to get over that and tell myself, no, Lynn, it's just a ring. It's just a material thing. And you will have another nice thing again. I didn't believe it, but I told myself that. So the next step is deciding how was deciding how I wanted to handle my divorce. Did I want to be angry? I sure as hell had plenty of reasons to be angry. Everybody does when they go through this. But angry people going through divorce go broke and they look haggard and tired and their kids suffer. Did I want to be a victim? Uh, no. I wanted to eventually date and I didn't want to be one of those unattractive people whining about how their ex did them wrong and how they were a victim. So I decided I wanted to be peaceful and fair and present as possible going through this. I wanted to honor my feelings when they came up, meaning cry when I wanted to scream and cry, whatever, and when I felt like it and not get weighed down by negativity, not stay there too long. So I decided to hammer out, try to hammer out our agreement for myself. You know, it'd be a lot cheaper instead of having an attorney do all this. So it was really hard. The very issues that got us into this place would come up over and over again. That's why people get attorneys to do their MSA, marital settlement agreement. But I would suggest something. He would debate it. That's natural, right? I would get frustrated. He would get defensive. This would go back and forth. Oh my God. We worked on this, this MSA for a while and it got to be so stressful. I started having chest pain. After multiple tests, my doctor determined that my heart was fine. It was just kind of emotionally broken and stressed. He prescribed a huge bottle of Xanax. Wow. When he prescribed that, that's when, well, I, when I picked up the bottle at a pharmacy, this huge bottle of Xanax, I held it in my hand and I realized my body was telling me something. I was doing it wrong. I'm like, if I need this, something's wrong. I was too tense. I was too stressed and life was passing me by. So I just thought, just settle in. That was the message, just settle. Don't be afraid. You can rebuild your life. So two weeks later, I mean, I did take a few pills. It helped, but I didn't want to stay on them. Super strong. Um, we came to an agreement, and this was a huge deal. When two people agree on an MSA, marital settlement agreement, it's like giving birth to triplets. What a relief. Uh, both of us were not totally happy with the agreement, which means it probably was a good agreement. So divorce day comes, you know, he didn't have to show up, but he did. And there, you know, we were on the 19th floor and, you know, I'm feeling guilty and I'm feeling sad, of course. And I was thinking like, how did life take us from when, you know, I saw him there standing there waiting for me on our wedding day to 19 years later, you know, looking up at him on divorce day. 
I felt so bad. I wanted to be friends. And so I started up this light chatter. You know, that's <laughs> what Fixer Lynn does. Lighten the mood. Make everybody feel better so you feel better. So we chatted back and forth. Doors open. Bailiff calls our name. We step up to the podium. So weird. Uh, you know, my attorney by my side, my soon-to-be ex-husband on my other side. And, you know, he's reaching for the podium. There's barely enough room for him there and us, the three of us. It was so strange. The judge asks me to confirm my name. You want this divorce? What did he say? He said, uh, you would like this divorce, Ms. Martinez? Yes, I replied. And then he turns to my soon-to-be ex. You would like this divorce, sir? He replies, no. And then the judge says, well, that's too bad, sir. And then he slams the gavel. You're now divorced. That's it. That's it. And he says uh, something like, you can get your records on the third floor. So I felt okay. You know, I was still, still breathing, still standing, relieved. So we leave the courtroom. My attorney says that she has to go to another case. I mean, she's going to leave us. And she asks me, can I get my documents uh, on the third floor? They're 30 bucks. I said, sure. So then my ex-husband says he didn't bring any money. And I said, no problem. I'll pay for it. It was so symbolic, but I wanted to be friends. So we went down to the third floor together. We we stand in line together, and I got us two copies of our divorce documents. As we walk out, part of me wanted to go to breakfast together. You know, I don't know. It was like habit. After all, we were together for 21 years. We had two kids together. That's what people do, right? Wrong. I knew I needed to be alone. I knew I needed to take the first step of the next chapter of my life. And that meant me leaving, going to work, moving on. Work was something I needed. It provided me money. It provided me normalcy and friends and people made me laugh. And I needed it that on that day for sure. So I made it through the day. I survived and I made it through the next day and the next day and the next day. I'm going to do a separate podcast on what happened after my divorce, you know, being alone, dating and all that jazz. But this is strictly about separation. So here are the top 10 tips on how to get through separation. Number one, absolutely get therapy. Therapy or life coaching or whatever is going to help you look at the issues that got you there. Remember, it's about you. It's never just about one person. You have to take responsibility for your own actions, your own issues, your own feelings. This will help you heal and keep you from repeating your mistakes. And also, I really encourage marriage counseling. Number two, get your act together. This means figuring out what you need Whether you get back together or not, you're going to be on your own for at least a little while. Figure out how to run your life, how to run your household, and how to do it all by yourself. Finances, kids, home, and you. Number three, take care of yourself. I almost think this is number one, but it's number three. This is a time of crisis. Don't act like it's not. It's critical you take care of yourself. You continue or you at least start some form of exercise. Let the weeds go. God, I have so many weeds. Skip that load of laundry. Take a yoga class at least once a week. This is going to help you clear your very cluttered, sad mind. When your mind is cluttered, your heart is sad and your heart is heavy. So you need to invest in yourself so you have the strength and energy to lead your own ship and take care of yourself and kids if you have it. Number four, lean on friends. It's a time that you find out who your true go-to friends are. Call them when you're down. Tell them you're available to go out, go out, do something. If you ask them for advice, listen to them, but always follow your own tuition. Number five, do things you never do. I love this one. Remember Einstein says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Do things differently. I started painting the interior of my house. I'm still not done. (laughs) 
Um, I went and saw my parents for a weekend alone. I never did that before. Started yoga and dance lessons, okay? Never did those things. Number six, buy one cute outfit and one piece of lingerie. A woman feels pretty damn bad about herself at this point in her life, so buy one cute workout outfit to get you motivated and take care of yourself and maybe some new panties to remind yourself that you're still one hot, sexy mama and no granny panties. I actually think you should throw those out because you're never going to need them again. Number seven, stay positive. Go ahead, allow yourself to be negative, okay? But don't stay there long. When you say something crappy or believe something bad about yourself or you believe your fear, snap out of it as soon as you can. Find one positive thing to every negative thing. You know what I would do? I would crank Pitbull and like jamming music to get me out of negative. Number eight, do something cosmetic, all right? Judge me, don't judge me. I don't give a crap, but I speak from personal experience. I sold some great shoes so I could buy a year's worth of Botox. And man, oh man, that Botox made me feel great. Yes, it's exterior, but whatever. Whatever helps. Number nine, turn to faith. Ask God, the universe, Buddha, whatever you want, whatever you believe in. I ask for guidance always, and I got it. I get it. Every time I ask, I get it. Just listen. Listen for the signs. Look for the signs. Ask and you shall receive. Number 10, the top 10 tip. Well, I don't know if it's top 10. The 10th tip Remind yourself, you will get through this a better you. It's hard to see things when you are in your darkest hour and you're curled up in a fetal position, crying your eyes out to snot is coming out every part of your body. But remember, you got to this point because something wasn't working. You will be happy again. And I can definitely attest to that fact. If I can be happy again, you can too. Good luck, everybody. I love you all. See you for the next Advice for Life with Lynn podcast. Check it out on iTunes. Well, you already know because you're listening to it on iTunes. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. A reminder to everybody, submit your questions on AdviceForLifeWithLynn.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free email. You'll be the first to get my weekly blog on how to live consciously and peacefully. You'll also get access to my free happiness guide when you sign up. Also, I'm looking for guests with different ways that they can help the Advice for Life with Lynn followers. So reach out, maybe if you think you've got something to say and you want to be on the podcast. Lastly, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. I really care about what you think. So tell me how I'm doing. I want your thoughts. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. So your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and they help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.